When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, I'm Kirsty Major, Commissioning Editor here at The Independent, and this is Double Take, a podcast in which our writers come into the studio to read and discuss one of their opinion pieces. It could be their weekly column or something from the archives that shines some light on this week's news. Today, we're joined by journalist, author and broadcaster Grace Dent, who will be reading and discussing her piece, James Corden, Women Can Joke About Sexual Assault But You Can't, and This Is Why. James Corden appears shocked by the global anger over his jokes about his friend Harvey at an awards ceremony this weekend. I'm not shocked, but neither am I someone who thinks sexual assault and male abuse can never be joked about. My darkest fear and largest ongoing bugbear with 21st century society is mine to utter deadpan one-liners on. I woke at 5.30 this morning and I couldn't go out running then as it was dark and I might have gotten raped. But if I left it until 7.30, then all the men in vans would be off to work and I would have been steadily abused about every 300 metres. And this has gone on since I was 11. And tiny daily quandaries like this, plus two decades in the media, make a woman very realistic about what many men behave like. So... When I work with men like Weinstein, and I've never met him, thank God, and that man comes in late to the office of a morning, I'm the sort of woman who will reply to the question, where is X with, oh, God knows he's probably standing sheepishly in his garden burning last night's clothes. And that, my friends, is a rape joke, but it's not really a joke joke, you know, boom, boom, ha, ha. It's more a signifier that this man's behaviour is creeping me out. However... It's not illegal to target all the interns for sex or talk only to a woman's tits or prearrange models to party with after conferences. Plus, if one did raise any concerns about this type of man, then 12 people in that company whose denial works in tandem with their mortgage repayments would laugh awkwardly and they'd mumble, oh, that's just what he's like. He's a bit of a nightmare, but (laughs) he's harmless, really. He has his... um, demons. But Corden, on the other hand, cannot expect to loll it up with ease about Harvey, who he's on first name terms with, being accused of using his power again and again and again to schedule hotel room auditions. I'm not saying James Corden does not have the right to joke. No, James Corden has the right to open his mouth and say anything he wants. But if Corden expects these jokes to land smoothly at this moment in time, he needs to know that by about Thursday last week, perhaps like many women, I had a retinal migraine from silently but angrily enduring the question, but how do powerful men get away with this? In fact, by the weekend, I was considering answering it personally by hiring a billboard on the Hangar Lane gyratory and beginning a complex spider diagram of the thousands of differing and interlinking types of pushback and derision and disbelief and mudslinging career jeopardy that a difficult woman will face for just saying, it's not okay. 
This isn't fair. My biggest concerns were that the 30 metre by 120 metre billboard might not be large enough to house sex pest in the workplace subsections such as she's just a talentless slag with a grudge or uh, but he has two lovely children. Why spoil their lives? Or uh, but his company spend millions of pounds at my firm and that pays dozens of salaries or well, I have no witnesses, and when I say it out loud, the story just sounds like I was complicit. Or, this is my fault. I did go in that room with him. And maybe my expression suggested that I wanted him to wank. Or even, the last woman who said something disappeared out of the business, and his wife stood by him. And now the complainant is working in a different field altogether, and is very bitter. The billboard would not solve anything. But it could be empowering to look at. Plus, at least when another dickwad taxi driver turns to you after a radio news bulletin and says, oh, these women, they're all saying he's done stuff now, aren't they? Why now, eh? At least one could shout, driver, I need us to reroute past the Hangar Lane gyratory where Grace Dent is up a stepladder and she is really very, very angry. If Corden cannot understand why his jokes about, for example, Weinstein allegedly masturbating into a plant pot aren't making people laugh coming from his mouth, then it's because he must understand the level of anger. But James Corden is listening to these unfolding events on a different frequency. I wish that for just five minutes I could play him the New York police tapes of Weinstein cajoling Ambra Batiana Guattari's into a hotel room at the frequency which I can hear it. The frequency I hear things after decades of dealing with men like this. That fake desperation to make things better and his constant reminders that it's she who's creating an embarrassing scene and that this is a fine hotel where he stays regularly and people know him and his reminders that he is famous or that the touching that she's clearly upset about is normal. I mean, it's minimal and that he is absolutely entitled to another chance to be alone with her and to prove himself and that she just needs to shut up now and stop making a fuss. Most men We'll never hear that tape at the frequency a woman can hear it with its sub-meanings and its inferences and its dark manipulations laid bare. And if you don't quite understand why we're so angry, excuse us if we don't quite think it's territory for your comedy either. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 
Thanks for joining us, Grace. Thanks for having me. No I'm sorry, I think that was uh, that was full Grace Dent, 100% undiluted. I love that. They don't let me talk like that on Radio 4 <laughs> because the moment that I start to talk in that accent, like um, brigadiers and majors in um, in Berkshire start to immediately bombard the, the switchboard. Saying that I, can't, panel I can't understand that horrible northern <laughs> woman. What's <laughs> what's happening? Uh, so yeah, that was that was very unfettered me. No, that was that was, was great. kind of Friday night me actually. But I feel like when we commissioned that piece, it it struck a nerve with you. Yes, and you just bashed it out in like an hour, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, it was one of those pieces. Uh, that will, I mean, I write every uh, I write every Monday. For it used to be Monday for Tuesday, but everything's kind of changed now. It's kind of Monday for Monday afternoon now, isn't it? And it goes Tuesday, these, Monday for Tuesday for the app. Yeah, see, this is it. When you start <laughs> to try to tell me this again, I just kind of go slightly blind in one eye. I can't, <laughs> I will never understand this new stuff. But um, so we agree, um, we agree topics uh, early on on Monday, and often I kind of uh, I get the idea and I kind of faff around for a bit and have, make coffees and watch a little bit of this morning and Don't talk, tell me that. talk to my mum. It's because I'm kind of cogitating over what it is because, uh, you know, sometimes I don't, I, I, I don't know enough about the thing. This is the columnist's plight, you know. You know it, you think you know, but you don't know what you think. You don't know what you think about the thing that you know. Yeah. So you end up with kind of squiggles on the back of envelopes and kind of salient points and where you think that the, where you think that the intro might start and where you think that the conclusion might end. But then you get things like Weinstein and it's it's just literally like it's just, I, I think I said to you, it's like coughing up a fur ball. <laughs> It's, yeah. I said, this is, a, I, I emailed you and I went, I'll just do it. I'll do Weinstein. It's like coughing up a, coughing up a fur ball. It's like, <gasps> there you go. There's 20, <laughs> years, there's 20 years of, like, how, how far can I go in this 700 and 800 words before the lawyers step in? And I was thinking, okay, I don't want the lawyers to, to slow down the process. I often work with that in my head as well, thinking I want it to go up as quickly as it can and I don't want it to get slashed by people who are cautious and of course they're cautious because they will get sued. Um, so I had to keep names and places out of places I'd worked out of it and, uh, and, and keep it all quite loose but also try to keep the meaning of my anger. I, do you know my thing that I was really stuck out quickly in my head when I started to write and it did take me about an hour and a half to write was that the things that I was angry about, then they're not illegal. It's not illegal to keep having sex with the interns in your office. And that's why often it feels really hard to call out sexism because you're like, yes. I know there's something wrong in this situation, but I know that if I, and it's it's, it's a sense and you, you know it, right? Yes. As soon as a man turns on, you're like, oh, this is, this is happening right. But like, how do I articulate this without sounding hysterical quote mm. unquote how do I articulate this without it's that like you said in your piece without someone being like well actually you kind of brought it on for yourself you went out into the smoking area with that person didn't mm. you so yeah. of course they'd say that thing to you yes yes I mean look the, I think that the reason this became such a big issue so quickly with Weinstein was because uh, it threw up for lots and lots and lots of women 
situations they've been in, situations where, uh, you know, they've been to a conference and suddenly kind of found themselves in a room with somebody who's done something and they haven't been able to complain because, uh, you know, the things I said in the piece, oh, he's got his demons. Oh, this is what he does. Oh, he's a bit like that. Oh, well, surely you knew about that. Well, how how many drinks had you had? And well, you can't say anything. Or do you not realize that he has, he's got four children. What? He did that to you, but he's always on Facebook talking about his children. Hashtag dad time. Hashtag family. Hashtag Sunday. You know, there's like some of the biggest, can I swear? Yeah. Some of the biggest dickheads in this, I'm keeping it quite clean. Some of the biggest dickheads in media spend all weekend taking pictures of the tree house they built for their children really? in their house outside London that they've put their little wife to pasture in because what they generally do is they make a bit of money and then they take the wife out of the equation. So she'll be sitting in Kent or wherever trying to keep this really loose so she'll be sitting somewhere outside london and this is throughout media this is throughout mm. the chefing world this is throughout advertising you know they take their wives out of the equation and then they come back to london and they don't want to split up their marriages because they they like the fact that they've got somewhere all their nice pans are and their television and their treehouse and they don't want to have to go through a difficult divorce and like they don't ultimately want to have to face up to what they've been doing and then they're in London like a little dog chasing their tails going round and round and round and round and round like going oh, I'm a sex addict I'm a sex addict and that's what why I'm not saying this is what Weinstein do but I'm not but when I look at that I just go oh God there's a hundred of him. There's a hundred of him. There's like it's a varying you know, degree. This kind yeah. of like this this you know, it disrespecting women, taking advantage of them, right from the bottom line, you know, from from the hiring of from the hiring of interns, from the quashing of their uh, ambitions from the freezing them out, from the pigeonholing them into what they can and they can't do. It's like we're all we're all kind of simmeringly angry. I think that the thing with Weinstein, that when you started to see women come forward and be, and raise these things that have made them so angry, we all had things that we don't even mention. Things that happen every day that we don't even mention. And the, the little passive the tiny things. little things that happen every day. Like what what I'm trying, what, what has made me, really angry as well over the last say three or four weeks is uh, kind of uh, this is like therapy talking to you now this is like therapy it's thank free. you I thank welcome. you honestly 80 pounds I think we'll need to do six <laughs> or seven sessions of this I'll come back next week the uh, I it's when you raise these concerns now or when I raise things that have happened just say I was to raise some things that happened yesterday I do not want a man to say to me Oh my God, did that happen to you? I can't, but oh, I, I don't want your sympathy because I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it, the, the, the thing that I said in, um, about going out for a run and uh, every morning I make that decision. I, I open my eyes and I think I could really do with doing some exercise. It's dark outside. Where can I really run in the dusk? Because, Okay, well, I could leave it a bit later. Oh, and then what am I going to put on? Because I have to go past that traffic jam and that traffic jam. And people, men will wind down their windows and somebody will shout big tits at me and la la la. So what, I, should I wear something heavier? Oh, but it's sunny outside. So like, what, like, 
that is like a micro decision that I've made every day of my life, right? And I never talk about it. I never mention it. I never, because you don't want to look like you're mm. whining. And the moment it does come out of my mouth, I don't want a side tilted head going, I can't believe that happened to you yesterday. Like, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. I don't want sympathy. I want you to call out the rest of men and stop this happening to my niece when she grows up. Because you know? it's always up to us, right, to modify our behaviour. Yeah. It's like, I just well, want... maybe I should wear something different. Did, did I encourage should that? Should I do this? But should I do... But you that's know. the thing with the Me Too thing, right? You have yeah. hundreds of women saying Me Too, you know, this, this, yeah. this, this, this. I think on my Facebook timeline, at any rate, I saw one man saying... I'm really sorry that this happens to women. I'm sorry for any part that I've taken in it. I wish oh, more God. men would speak up. Yeah. That was one man. Yeah. Like, what are yeah. they doing? I just, I think that right at the moment, men are a little bit knocked on their backs with a sonic boom of shouting and they don't quite know how to handle it. And I think other ones are annoyed. I think they're furious. They're really? fur They're furious that uh, all of their tiny powers and ability to banter has been Ugh, and also you know there's men that have hidden for so many years behind being feminists so like Woke they you know this like you know like at the moment i've got this thing um and i'll tell you who's the king of this at the moment is russell brand the mr I've had a daughter, so like everything's changed. I've just been imbued with this new level of understanding about the world. And it's like, mate, four years ago, you were, do you know, I'm gonna shut up, but you know, we all, we all know what he was like. And now suddenly he's like, oh, I've had a daughter and everything. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual guru. And he's the king of them. And London media is full of that. It's full of like, oh no, I, no, I'm a, I'm, I'm a feminist. I'm a feminist, and it's, it's like, look, like you need, you need, you guys need to get together and mod and 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 have a chat about uh, things that make me furious every day, like. 20 year old girls are now thinking that they've got their value through, they get value through, you know, just like doling out like Snapchat f nudes of themselves. And like the kitchens of London reverberate with like chefs showing sex videos to each other. Really? And like, I'm like, that kind of shit needs to stop. And, Why aren't you calling And that like, out? if your friends are on Tinder, like specifically targeting ugly girls so that you can all have a laugh at her or like the way that you, uh, if, you know, if the younger members of your staff are getting into serious situations and, you know, it, like if anyone's got somebody pregnant in the office and some, and, and some young woman in the office has had having to have an abortion because <laughs> like these things should be getting called out by men. But it's not, it's, it's always, always up to us. I'm not talking, you know, I haven't talked much about the film industry because, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not a Hollywood actress, so I can't really, I can't really talk about that. But I also, I also know that it, it, it's the infrastructure of the way that men have behaved for years that are make it, that make it very difficult for women to break out of, um, you know, the very small category that we get put in. And I still notice it now. I'm like one of the 
probably one of the hardest and most vociferous women that you're going to meet in uh, in London media. And I'm, I'm, you know, I always say I'm kind of like a cockroach. Like you kind of can't get rid of me. Like, like the men have tried to get rid of me. Do you feel like and that? Just, yes. I was going to ask this question actually. Yeah. Like, as you like, you're clearly at the top of your game yeah. in terms of where you're at. Look how happy I am, though. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, do you feel like? Is it exhausting? Do you feel yes. like you have to fight for it constantly? Yes, it's never got any easier. It's never that, that I, I do not bring any glad tidings. Like I, in my twenties, I thought that by the time I was in my thirties, it would be easier. And then, and now, like in my forties, like I very often just go, "How can this be so hard?" You know, to renegotiate a contract, to, uh, to to go for a job and think that you're going to get it and then see that uh, you weren't given it but a white posh man with an ancestor was given it really? and you didn't get it and then suddenly you've kind of been taken off the list because they've got another woman or this, this is you know this happens all that you know being being judged continuously by my looks and how good that I look on camera and then the moment that I do get to myself to a level that I where where I'm deemed you know the camera shone beautifully on that, that me that day and my dress was accepted by the public that day and then immediately I'm a dolly bird with big tits and no and and people immediately then say what do you know about food what do you know about restaurants what do you like you know stick to writing I get that every day you know why don't you just stick to writing about whatever I try to write about I don't know whether men get that as much. Oh, no, because whatever they write about, they are the sole source of authority for that topic because yeah. people just presume that men, that's where knowledge comes from, right? Yeah. Women must just take their knowledge from men. I've, I mean, I, I, I've learned a lot from uh, I, people like Bjork, and she <gasps> said once, and I've really always kept an eye on this, she said, like, she said, this isn't a diss to Kanye West, but when he puts an album together, it's just accepted that he's a genius and an auteur and he had 25 people who he handpicked to come in and they helped him but it's his album and she says I do that and it's immediately written off she said we have a lot of still a lot of problem to this day that um you know that you that that, that women are that you know you're you're the mensch you're the person that's doing it you know I presented an award the other night um and I was presenting an award and I was also up for an award at the same ceremony. And uh, I presented the award and uh, a very, very distinguished uh, figure in media came down to collect it on behalf of the people that couldn't be there. And um, as I was escorting him off, he, uh, he said to me, maybe next year you might be up for an award for for your thing and like this was like the second year that I was nominated for this thing that I was doing but it's that assumption these tiny assumptions that and I was thinking why why did you say that to me I didn't say anything to him because we don't say things we just let it go I thought why did you say that to me is it because I've had to put a dress on to come in to do to give the award I wouldn't be allowed to give the award if I wasn't deemed glamorous enough, glamorous enough to give the award but by making myself glamorous I've also negated the fact that you could possibly think that the thing that I'm also up for an award I've you know it's I've shot it out of the park and I work with 27 producers and we have made it into this fantastic thing and it's been nominated for awards 
I think that we have a lot of problem in the industry with the idea of uh, like a, a woman polymath, so that if you can do one thing, you can't do another thing. So you'll always get, why don't you just, what, what, you know? I'm a, I've lost count of the amount of times that I get called, you know, just like kind of big on Twitter. I get that a lot. Oh, so it's like, you've done all right for yourself, haven't you? You've done all right, well <laughs> done you, but you know, don't, don't over-egg yourself. I always talk about, like one of the great things about Twitter though, was that, um, you know, it, it, I think that I did feel quite, kind of quite, it was quite difficult to tie up all the ends of all the different things I was good at talking about until uh, Twitter came along. And I could just go like, here's the contents of my brain. If you want me to talk about Kim Deal uh, and the Pixies um, playing in 1988 in Preston, I'll talk about that. But then if you want me to talk about communism, I'll talk about that. If you want me to talk about, you know, Michelin star restaurants, I can talk about that. And I felt as if, there wasn't really a place for me to even advertise that. And they got to this point, there was this point in my career where I just thought, like every day I'm told how clever Charlie Brooker is. And I love Charlie, like, and he's been nothing but supportive to my career and he's a, a good person. But I do feel like things like social media, you know, did give women the chance to, to jump forward. Well, it's that idea yeah. of like the Renaissance man. You can be a man who can be good at many, many things. Yes. But Women, if you've managed to excel in one part, well, that's well done to you. Oh God, you've got further than you should have. Yeah, yeah, no, no, li no, literally, and li literally, well done, well done. That's what. I mean. <laughs> and do you, what I mean, how do you, how do you broach that then? Do you, like when you're walking into a room and you've got like a group of male execs, say, mm. do you feel like sometimes you have to put game face on? Yeah. Do you go in and you're like, right, Grace, um, or is it just something you've? adopted in your personality over the years? I think that um, one of my uh, greatest assets was that I was um, born with a naturally quite angry tone of face. <laughs> and like, I kind of counteract that by, I mean, I think Karen Brady's the same. Mm. Like Karen Brady and me, we, we can both, we can both put on the tractor beam and, and like look into someone's eyes and be quite soft for a moment. But then you can just go back on to kind of like, but then I, I quite like the idea of resting bitch face because mm. resting bitch face has got me a long way. I think that, uh, you know, I mean, you ask that question, what do you do when you go into a room of men, you know? And I think that the uh, the Weinstein thing perhaps has um, made me think harder about all the stuff I've let away. You know, I've let away over the years. You know, I don't know whether this is a call to arms for me to be angrier and more rude or more abrasive, but I do think about the things I've let go over the years, you know? Because um, it's exhausting. Because you're knackered. If you, if, you fight, if you fought every battle, yeah, you'd be knackered and you wouldn't have the energy for when you, like, sometimes you really want to lay it down. Yeah. But then that can be quite frustrating as well, just letting yeah. it go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you do, I think that... I think that you do, you know, maybe this Weinstein thing as well was just like two weeks of complete anger where everybody decided to not let things go. But I do think that it's resets. Maybe it's this is imaginary. Maybe this is just in my mind. Maybe I'm knackered. Maybe I've got a bit of a cold coming on and I'm on too many cold and flu pills. But the, right now at this moment, it feels like it did reset a few boundaries. Someone sent me something the other day. They went, oh, ha, 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 look what, look what my friend has just put on Twitter. And they sent me some, some screen grabs. 
And it was them, this person being like obstreperous and trying to get a reaction. And I just wrote back for the first time. I just went, they sound like a rapist. That's the kind of shit that rapists say. And I just left it. They didn't reply. Mic drop, bye. Mic drop. <laughs> so Grace I'm not Dent expecting left the building. <laughs> I'm not expecting a Christmas card so much off them, but but well, maybe it is time for us to call that out more. I, I don't think it's the cold and flu meds. I genuinely think it's a bit of a watershed moment, especially for creative industries. Mm, yeah, and well, how women are treated within them you know, in the media and restaurants as well. Restaurants are so macho. I used to date a chef. Oh, the things that they say. Look. Ugh. Yes, I could look. I mean, this is a whole other podcast. The way that <laughs> next episode, you know. But but, but I've said this because I've you know I've I hang around with chefs and like I've dated people in the hospitality industry, and I have said that you know if you if you if you want to treat women like this, if you you know I've seen uh, I've seen waitresses like revenge you know revenge porn and waitresses the scene you know it's, it's all very murky but like you know i'm trying and, I'm, and I, you can see i'm frantically trying to um censor myself because i've and why am i protecting people i don't know again this is like therapy why am i protecting people um because you why am i protecting people because i because i know because I'm tired, as we say, because I'm tired and I know the shit storm that happens the minute that you actually put it into people's faces and say, well, this happened at your restaurant or this happened at your your party. You know, it started like this and then this happened. And do you think that's OK? The thing that was really plain on my mind, like um, a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, I kept thinking about this guy who was like friends of a friend and um who we were coming out of a bar um a little while ago and uh he was so drunk and he just got me and just slammed me up against the window of a of a restaurant and i remember the bang that i hit the window and, he, and as, as he was in he's just like threw my skirt up and i and like i i got it down and i kind of pushed him off and i started shouting, I was going, what the is wrong with you and he was just away with it right it was just completely anyway uh i don't feel you know i'm i'm quite a hard thing i'm okay and i didn't feel I, I didn't feel exactly i didn't feel like i'd been sexually assaulted i just felt like i'd been that just this is the kind of shit that just happens, happens every day just part, part the kind furniture of, of your life this kind of shit that kind of happens that's so you know? fair it's always been there exactly yeah. and uh, and i remember the next morning getting up and feeling quite angry because i just felt quite belittled i didn't feel sexually violated i felt belittled and i felt like he wouldn't have done that to a man and then i stopped and i thought about all the things that were going to happen if i said something and I played them all through in my head. And I thought, no, no, no. And I, and I did say to a couple of people. And uh, and one person came back and did the, uh, uh, the I, I call this the demons thing. Oh, he has his demons, right? But he's a good man. He has his demons. And then somebody else said to me, just laughed. Because cause it, it's funny. It's kind of funny in a kind of carry on, you know, carry on uh, Benny Hill way. But this Do you know what I mean? Returns to, uh, well, sort of so the second person, yeah, the second person laughed. So people just, some people just pretended that they, they didn't, they just didn't hear selective deafness. And, uh, and in the end, I tackled him about it. And he didn't say sorry. He was just a bit like, 
oh, I shouldn't have drank that thing. And anyway, and then that was just something that just went off into the mist, but that was just one thing that happened. And I think that Me Too has probably dragged up so many of these things. You know, you started to see it play out on Twitter where <laughs> these women are just going on Twitter and going, you can see the yeah. bit, they're like angry. They're sitting at the keyboard, looking at these, looking at these men going, oh, saying some kind of platitude. And they're like, do you and do? going like, you do this. You, you do know this do. stuff. Do you know what I mean? You treat women like this, you know, and... Uh, then returning to what you said there about the comedy, we'll, we'll sort of Go finish on. up on this. Some of the big things I wanted to ask. Oh, I'm not was... going home. This is me for the day now. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> <'cause that> this... <laughs> this is happening. This is us now. No, go on, go on. And um, the comedy thing, right? People laughing about it. Mm. And yeah. this is what I enjoyed most out of your piece and really resonated with me was what is a rape joke and what isn't. Yeah. And I think the things with the James Cord and Lindy West talks about this a lot. Mm. I really like her stuff in it. And she says mm. that good comedy punches up, not down. And the thing is, when we joke about sexual assault and abuse and harassment, we're punching down. So when people find it funny that your skirt got lifted up, hmm. that it's because you were belittled. That's not funny. That's shit comedy. Good comedy is when you punch up, like your rape joke. That's a good rape joke because hmm. you're punching out at the hmm. men who are responsible for this sort of behavior. So do you feel like women can use comedy not to be defensive and not to, you know, try to disarm men? Do you think? We should be able to use it to yes. attack them. Uh, look, yes, of course. I mean, I think that comedy, the fact that I, I, it saved my life. Comedy has saved my life. The fact that I, I, I find the the darkest, bleakest, most gallows humour in everything. In you know, I have laughed my way through with my friends we have laughed our way through divorce and abortions and miscarriages and finding your husband in bed with someone else and like and I and I will never let anyone tell me that I can't make a rape joke I'm not stupid I know context I know timing I can read my room don't tell me that I can't laugh about this you know when I started to see that coming up as being kind of a school of thought. I said, well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but you're not taking away my darkest fear and telling me that I can't um, I can't make jokes about about that kind of thing. It's all about context. And I, and I, I and also with James Corden, make a joke about what you want, but, you know, reap my whirlwind. The problem with James is and he's not listening to this. Um, because God, he's got better things to do, and he's still not. And if he did start, he'll have, his mind will have trailed off by right now. I like James, right? And I um, have met him and interviewed him uh, on a few occasions, and I, I, I do know him, and I like him. And I, I, and this is no, and, and I wanted to say this in the piece, and I thought it would. Uh, it would soften it, and and James, if you're listening to this, I just thought it would soften it, and I didn't want to look as if I was trying to ingratiate myself with you, and I didn't want it to become this thing where I start. To, I don't, I don't know. I was writing it very quickly, and I and and I and I ummed about whether to say that I knew you, and I ummed about whether to say that you are actually um, you're a good guy, and and I don't think so. Instead, I wrote it to say. You just didn't read the room and you didn't realize you didn't hear it at the frequency. You don't hear these things at the frequency I do. But, you know, I had a load of um, I had a really horrible thing happen to me once. Um, 
really, really horrible, and a lot of people turned their backs. And I will always remember that James Corden did not, and he was lovely. And he kind of reached out and said, "Are you okay?" And so, I, I in my art, I'll always, I'll always think, you know, he's he's not, he isn't Weinstein. No, it's James, just... please don't turn out to be Weinstein after this, for God's sake. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> please, don't, mate, don't let me down. But uh, yeah, this wasn't a pop at James Corden. This was a pop at uh, pe men not being able to hear women's anger about this. Well, they will if they listen to this. Pardon? That hopefully they will if they listen not to this. Not one single man is still listening to this. <laughs> Not one. The, the, if the you're still with us, the only, well if, done, if you, you made it. If you are still here, I can only assume that you are, you've been kidnapped by a group of angry feminists and that you're in, you're in some kind of bunker and they're just showing you like pic pictures of me and like reading you Elaine Showalter <laughs> and, and just being really, I think Catelyn Moran's book's probably being shouted. You've been hit about the face by Catelyn Moran's <laughs> book. Right now, everybody's just incredibly angry, and I'm sorry that you had to go through this singular man listening. Well, thank you for joining us, Grace. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Acast, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Helen Hodnoff produced this episode. I'm Kirsty Major. See you next week. 